0: Welcome to the Scoop and Score podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? You are more My boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Khan. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week one of the college football season, a week where anything is possible, unless, of course, you're Nebraska, in which case, I don't know what to tell you. That one uh, I, I have to say as a as someone who recognizes UCF as the, the 2017 national champions I was a Scott Frost guy I you know to some extent I still am a Scott Frost guy but that seemed like an absolute match made in heaven from a head coaching perspective and in I just I cannot see a situation we were talking about it last week as if that was already a doomed situation and then they went ahead and and lost the opener i i two of two out of the three of us did uh did recommend taking the points and and riding with with brett on his return to the big 10. so you would have been a winner there as they won outright by eight points but yeah just gotta be tough to be a nebraska fan um but i can't say with any certainty that there's a nebraska fan listening to this podcast so let's just let's just kick up the enthusiasm Let's get ready for the season where everyone pretty much remains undefeated and everyone has a chance at a national championship. You know, without really many games last week to talk about, I mean, sure, we, we can mention Illinois, uh, you know, props to Fresno State for, um, you know, despite the fact that that UConn had, uh, you know, so I sometimes as a Notre Dame fan, I complain about teams having buys before they play Notre Dame. UConn had like two and a half years worth of buys um, preparing for this game against Fresno State did not matter as Fresno State won forty-five nothing. UCLA looked pretty good, um, winning forty-four to ten. Big matchup uh, coming up against LSU this coming weekend, and San Jose State looked incredible um, with Nick Starkle, at quarterback, a guy that has been around for quite some time, um, and they've got a big matchup with USC this coming week. So I guess in in some ways uh, the the very few games um, from from last week. Could have an impact just in terms of some of the opponents that they will be playing this week. But that's about all uh, the recap from week zero that we're going to have here. So we're going to jump directly into week one. This might be a, uh, a shorter episode than usual, but but going forward we'll have both the recaps and the previews and maybe some more guests. We're, we're working on lining them up here a little bit as we move. Through the season. Before I get going, I do want to just mention uh, the relationship with DeBraga Meats. Uh, you might have noticed that I did not mention them last show. I didn't give out the, the promo code SCOOP. Not to worry. Uh, there is no rift in the relationship. Um, but but one thing I will say is that we simply got too big last year. And promo code SCOOP, you know, blew up, got picked up by one of those, you know, coupon farms, and we can't have that floating around. We can only give the discounts to the loyal listeners of the Scoop and Score podcast that are listening to the show, that are learning about these delicious, delicious pork chops, and they're going out and buying them and using promo code Scoop. We can't just have random people, you know, Googling De Braga discount code and, and them benefiting from, from promo code Scoop. That's ridiculous. I won't stand for it. So we killed the promo code. And if we're being honest, um, you know, the powers that be and I haven't really had a discussion about reinstituting any kind of promo code. I don't even really know, you know, what our what our current sponsorship uh, agreement or relationship is, but I'm going to tell you what, it remains delicious meat, um, so you're going to want to go to debraga.com, uh, there's no promo code right now, but you know, just, just spend a little bit, We've we've all been cooped up in our houses all this time, just, you know, get a little bit of meat, you're going to love it. Um, And yeah, we'll see if we can bring you a a promo code back maybe as soon as next week. But in the meantime, I'm just going to keep touting uh, the delicious product and hope that maybe they'll send me an apron. That is, uh, I like to be honest with my listeners, and my main goal here is to try to receive a DeBraga apron. With that, let's move ahead. You know what? Let's take one more detour. Again, I have zero notes in front of me. I know I've said this before, but you know, most of the time I would actually prep for this show, and it just seems like I'm mailing it in more than usual. I've got nothing in front of me other than the uh, the page of all the games that are coming up this coming week, so I don't have real any outline for the show. But I did want to shout out listener Ralph, who I just kind of gave a very I didn't really answer his question last week um, about the general thoughts on nil. And and general thoughts on conference realignment because those are pretty big topics. Um, I'll give you general high level thoughts on NIL. I think it's great. Um, You know, let let the kids get paid uh, as long as you know you can't get into salaries. That that's something that just does not work um, because then you know you're going to start cutting kids if they're not performing well. Um, What about, you know, the the athletes in non-revenue generating sports? Are you sticking them with a bill at the end of the year? It just doesn't make any sense. So you can't go to salaries. So just let each individual player earn whatever their fair market value is. And that's exactly what NIL seems to be doing. You know, does it open the door for some potential quote unquote cheating in terms of, you know, recruiting or anything like that? Maybe. But, I mean, what is cheating? If someone wants to pay a player to go to a school, then let them pay that player to go to a school, and, you know, we'll see what happens. If if they think that's a good investment, then, you know, I guess anyone has the right to do that. But uh, we'll we'll see from there. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to have a major impact on the competitive balance in the sport. You know, for all the the big-time donors at big-time powerhouses now, they're going to be able to buy, you know, more recruits. They were probably getting those recruits anyway. And some of the smaller schools, you know, maybe it helps them get a couple big guys because who knows, someone's willing to spend the dollars to get them there. So ultimately, I I think it's good that the players can earn money on their own value. And I don't think it has a major impact on the competitive balance of the sport. In terms of the conference realignment, I mean, I'd rather it not be happening. But I think something that's important to remember, um, and I have to remind myself being, you know, 30 years old and the fact that, you know, I've been closely uh, following college football, you know, I mean, somewhat closely since I was about eight, but, you know, closely following since about 2002, you have to remember that this sport is old and it's been changing. There have been a lot of seismic landscape changing shifts going on for like the past 60 years. So this isn't new that, you know, there's, you know, the move to the playoff, you know, before there was a time that there were like three bowls and, you know, then all of a sudden people are like, oh, you can't, you can't go to eight bowls. That's really going to dilute the product and no one's going to care. And now we have 40 bowls and now we have a playoff and now we're expanding the playoff. And, you know, everyone that cares so much about conference realignment, I mean, these weren't what the conferences were worth 20, 30 years ago. They're, they're changing all the time. What I do know is that college football is going to be fine. It might look a little different, but it's still going to be an entertaining product. And it's, it's still going to be great. So let's not worry about it. Let's just wait and see what happens. There's no reason to panic that the SEC is, you know, this, this powerhouse and what are the other conferences going to do? The only thing that alignment, conference realignment matters for is money. And as fans, the money means nothing to us. They're still going to play football games. We're still going to get great matchups. We're still going to figure it out. That's all I really have to say about that. And with that, I feel comfortable saying, let's get to week one. There's a game going on right now. So by the time you're listening to this, the game is over. But hey, Wednesday Night Football, UAB Jacksonville State. I am enjoying watching it while recording this podcast. As for the Thursday night opener, seems like maybe not quite as much juice on that opening Thursday night as we've had in the past. I mean, our favorite team, the Shants. That's for you, Furka. Um, Coastal Carolina will be playing the Citadel at 7 p.m. I don't expect that to be a close game, but boy, it's just nice to see the boys at Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina, after all the fun we had watching them play BYU and some other games last year. So go Shantz, we'll be riding for you all season long. We also have Boise State and UCF, Um, Gus Malzahn's debut for uh, UCF. Boise State, I kind of think, also has a new coach, but again, not prepared enough to tell you who that is, Um, but I think, am I I crazy? Did the Boise State coach go to Auburn? Is this kind of a fun situation where the Boise State coach went to Auburn, the Auburn coach went to UCF, and now UCF is playing Boise State? Uh, It's possible I'm not right about any of the stuff I just said, but if I am right, that's a fun little triangle. Um... The uh, Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback for UCF, is a total stud. I think that dude, Hank Bachmeyer, um, which sounds kind of like a made up name, and then you realize his siblings are named like Tank and Shovel and Wrench, um, that's the quarterback for Boise State. So, a really fun quarterback battle there. Should be a pretty good game. Um, and, and to see the start of the Gus Melzon era at UCF, uh, I expect them to be pretty good this season. Um, scrolling down the list here, I mean, the only other I'd say meaningful game on that Thursday is Ohio State opening up at Minnesota. Um, PJ Fleck with, with the great season two years ago with Minnesota, then, then a down year last year. Uh, again, you know, last year is pretty weird for a lot of people. So we'll see if that was an aberration. Uh, or, you know, can, can P.J. Fleck bring the Gophers back and what kind of game can they put up against the Buckeyes? Only a 14-point spread there, so not expected to be a blowout. Should be pretty competitive and uh, a nice test for, for new quarterback C.J. Stroud going on the road, seeing if they can keep it rolling for the Buckeyes. Then we get to Friday um, and, and looking down the list here, you know, one or two, I'd say two interesting games. Um, we're opening up with... With North Carolina at Virginia Tech, um, you know, last week I kind of suggested that I'm not a huge believer in the North Carolina hype, but I also made it clear that I am certainly a believer in Virginia Tech potentially having a disaster of a season. Um, I think that North Carolina, when when you've got, you know, sort of all year to prepare for Lane Stadium and what that atmosphere would be like, it's not like they're going to be, you know, caught... um, you know, all of a sudden caught off guard and, and, and the crowd will get to them. You know, you're, you're, they're going to be as excited as anyone else to play. So I don't think going on the road is a big factor. And that's why I actually like this as uh, one of my first plays of the week. I like North Carolina laying five and a half on the road at Virginia Tech. I just think they easily win this game by more than one score. Um, I, I don't expect this Virginia Tech team to be very good. And despite the fact that I think North Carolina has a lot that they need to replace, in some spots, you know, they are replacing with significant talent that they've recruited over the last couple of years, and I just I think they're good enough to score. You know, I think they're good enough to put up thirty on just about anybody, and I don't see Virginia Tech, you know, going above say the the high teens, low twenties mark. Um, so so I like let's let's call it something like thirty five. Let's call it something like thirty five twenty four. I'll I'll give Virginia Tech. Um, more points than maybe I was originally thinking. But let's call it 35-24 Tar Heels. They get the 11-point win and a pretty comfortable cover. Um, Looking down the list, Wake Forest always seems to play that Friday night. Not really anything uh, to note here. They're playing Old Dominion. They should win comfortably. Shout out to the Deeks. And then in the Big Ten, um, Northwestern hosting Michigan State. Two two teams with, I think, kind of wait-and-see expectations for the year. Uh, Mel Tucker in what I think is year two uh at Michigan State. Um, you know, had a couple had a couple good wins, had a couple bad losses last year, and, and Pat Fitzgerald kind of leading that that steady charge uh with Hunter Johnson leading the way at quarterback for Northwestern. I know Northwestern's best running back uh was was recently injured and is expected to be out for the season. So that's gonna be tough. We'll see um what Northwestern's offense can look like. With, you know, a former five star quarterback um recruit, but someone who has just not lived up to expectations, so we'll see how that one goes, Uh, but a little Big Ten action for you on that Friday night, and that brings us to Saturday, and it's one of the best opening Saturdays that I can remember, Um, I mean, you know, at noon, you've got a couple choices, obviously Penn State at Wisconsin, sort of in the biggest Big Ten game of the week, although you'll you'll hear we've got a couple, we've got a couple big, I like how the Big Ten opens up in conference um, with a lot of these matchups. It, it gets you excited about some of these teams right off the bat. We already mentioned Minnesota, Ohio State, just mentioned Michigan State and Northwestern. We're talking about Penn State, Wisconsin here, and we'll talk about Iowa, Indiana in a minute. But uh, yeah, definitely. I mean Penn State with a disaster of a year last year, but started to get it together later in the season. You know, we'll see what Sean Clifford is able to offer at the quarterback spot. Jahan Dodson, uh, one of my favorite receivers in the country, can make plays all over the field. And Deion Kane at running back. So definitely some players on this Penn State team. We'll have to see what the defense looks like. Losing Micah Parsons, obviously they were playing without him last season anyway. um, and, And they struggled a little bit. So... Um, can the defense sort of bounce back to the form? And can you know what Graham Mertz are we going to see? Because Wisconsin was another team that looked great at times, looked terrible at times, uh, had had difficulty dealing with COVID last season. Um, so we'll see. You know the the Graham Mertz era, while well, it started last year, really starts in earnest this season with a full season of expectations. Um, so that should be a good game. Uh, I could really see that one going either way right off the bat. Um, scrolling down the list here, we got Oregon and Fresno State, which could be a bit of a game. That one is, uh, that one's kicking off at 11 a.m. out in Eugene for local time, 2 p.m., on the East Coast, and you know Fresno State already played a game. Um, I mentioned it. You know they. I think it's a big benefit to get that first week under your belt. Some may say you know they're the other teams are rested and they've been able to prepare for this week one game for longer. But really, you're only doing about a week's worth of actual game prep at the beginning of the season. When the rest of it is just general camp stuff. So not a huge advantage there. You know you get your forty-five nothing win against an easy team out of the way. So you get you know you get to. Really have like a live scrimmage out there without showing too much. All I'm not calling for the upset. Uh, Oregon's a 21-point favorite. Looking at it here, but I don't hate the idea of maybe taking the points. I think you know in a sleepy. It's not like you know it's it's a it's a 7 p.m. game in Eugene. Could be a sleepy crowd. Uh, Fresno State's gonna be ready to play. They're definitely a solid team, and this is gonna be a good test to see. You know if Oregon comes in comes out and blows the doors off, then I think this Oregon team. Is for real, but I expect it to be a relatively close game, um, and and we'll see if you if you can hear the thunder or the very very loud rain against my window in the background. I apologize, nothing I can do about that, but uh, it is quite rainy here right now. Continuing to move down the line, 3:30 Eastern. I would say the the second most marquee. There's a lot of good games. I don't. I'm not going to rank them, but uh, Alabama plays Miami. And, you know, <laughs> number one preseason rankings. I don't know, you know, it's hard to say a step back. Um, but, uh, you know, as we mentioned last week, Alabama replaces three of the top five Heisman candidates from last season, as well as an additional first-round receiver who was injured for most of last year. Um, you know, a couple of linemen. They're, they're replacing a lot. Um, so, if there's a chance to get them, is it maybe in week one? Miami will try to find that out. Uh, D.R. King, by all you know, by all measures, sounds like he's healthy and ready to go. Obviously, a really tough test uh, to go against Alabama in the first game of the season, um, but a great test for Miami and a good barometer for where they're at. I mean, if they can, you know, if they keep this thing within two scores, I think that's a, a pretty solid outing. You know, if they lose by 21 to 28, that doesn't mean they can't go out and have a good season. If they lose by 40, then they might have some things to work on. Um, But definitely, uh, definitely a good test there. And, you know, all the same things. You know, if if Alabama wins by any amount, I don't think anyone's going to be too concerned about Alabama. But if they win by a lot, it's going to be like, uh uh-oh, they're they're locked and loaded and ready to go as always. Um, In that same time slot, you've got Indiana at Iowa that I mentioned, I expect Indiana to take a little bit of a step back. I mean, I love that coach. Uh, Michael Penix is, is quite an athlete at quarterback, but I just think a lot of things went right for them last season. Um, and this Iowa team, Tommy last week kind of talked me into this Iowa team a little bit. Um, I expect them to to have a pretty nice season in the Big Ten West. They're playing at home. I just think, I don't know, Indiana's sort of the darling. Sometimes I try to think of like the storylines. And Indiana is, is sort of the darling of, of the Big Ten this year and, and really was, you know, everyone loved them last year. And I just think, I just think Iowa takes care of business in this one. Um, they're, they're laying three or three and a half. Uh, I gave them out at three and a half points uh, as, as my pick. Um, so I do like Iowa laying the three and a half against Indiana. I think they win this game by by four to ten points and show that they are going to be a real real contender in uh, in the the Big Ten this year. Spencer Petrus, um, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, is a quarterback to maybe watch out for. Um, had a decent year last year and coming back with another year of experience. Um, I think you know we'll, we'll have to see. I think he could be a factor. Um, in the Big Ten West this year. Continuing down the list here, let's go to uh, a couple kind of, you know, mid, if if those go to halftime and and you're looking for something to watch, we've got Louisiana at Texas. I mentioned last week, watch out for the upset in this one. Ultimately, I did not pull the trigger on making Louisiana plus eight one of my picks, although I do like that side of the bet if you want to make it. But it can just be too hard to predict what a new coach's first game is going to look like. Sometimes they come out and, you know, kind of every—all their plans are just, you know, put into the first game and they come out and have an amazing performance. And then, you know, sometimes fizzle out after that. I'm not saying one way or another what is going to happen with Coach Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns this season. I actually think they'll have a decent year. But it just would not surprise me. Louisiana, a team that went on the road and beat Iowa State to start last season— could very well do the same to Texas this year. I expect that game to be a real battle and pretty exciting. Um, So maybe want to tune into that one. And then I mentioned San Jose State and Nick Starkle and the nice start they got off to last year. Another team that, you know, already has the first game jitters out of the way, got a game under their belt. They go to play USC. And this is only a 14-point spread, so this could certainly be close. I would very much expect it to be a real shootout with Keaton Slovis and Nick Starkle slinging the ball all over the field. So definitely one to keep an eye on. I ultimately think that this USC team is going to be pretty good. <laughs> as, as, as some of you have pointed out, I might be nuts for uh, thinking they have a chance to go 12-0, um, 13-0 after the Pac-12 championship and make the playoff. So that's going to be hard to do if they can't get over the San Jose State hump to start the year. I think it will be an exciting game. But ultimately, I just think um, Keaton Slovis to, uh, to, to, Drake, uh, to Drake London um, is going to be too much for San Jose State. And ultimately, I think USC comes out on top in that one. At that point, we kind of get into the night slate um, and it's kind of they're, they're clearing out. I, I think they are appropriately clearing out for the big game of the weekend, Number five Georgia, number three Clemson in the Duke's Mayo Classic in Charlotte. Notre Dame and Wake Forest were supposed to play in what was going to be the Duke's Mayo Classic. and that game ultimately got canceled. So that was too bad that uh, there's a little more a little more star power um, maybe, maybe in this one. And it's interesting because the loser of this game definitely still has a path to the playoff. They would just have to—I mean, Georgia, without a doubt, going undefeated um, in the SEC and and winning the SEC championship game, no problem. Maybe less so for Clemson. So I would say there's more at stake for Clemson in this game, Um, but but both teams definitely have a path, uh, even with a loss. You've got uh, DJ Uiagaloa, who filled in uh, two starts last year um, when when Trevor Lawrence was out due to COVID, um, and and JT Daniels for Georgia, who was coming off an injury early in the season and didn't win the job right away. And it was kind of like, why isn't he starting earlier than he is? But ultimately, once he got the chance to play, he he looked pretty great. The the Georgia offense took off in a way that it hadn't in decades prior. Um, so this should be a pretty fun game. Ultimately, I think Georgia is I think Georgia is going to maybe have a little bit harder time scoring on Clemson than Clemson will on Georgia. I mean, I, I think this should be a battle that probably stays in the 20s. Um, I, I don't know that I see either team getting to 30 in this one, but I just think when it really comes down to scoring touchdowns, Having a guy like Uyunglele, who's huge and can move with his legs and just has some of the weapons, I think they once they get inside the 15, inside the 10, I think Clemson scores touchdowns more easily than Georgia does in this one. Let's call it 28-24. So that's good for the Clemson cover by a point. Um, 28-24 would also put it over by a point. So I guess I'm pretty close to what to what Vegas thinks on that one. But I just, Clemson brought so much back on this defense. Um, You know, a couple guys that were freshmen last year, they're going to make that sophomore leap. Uh, Brian Brzee is just going to be an animal on the defensive line. So I I don't know. I think this Clemson team is going to be really, really special. I think they've got a chip on their shoulder after being blown out by Ohio State in the semis last year. I think this will be a great game. And as I mentioned last week, I think it's the we're going to see a rematch in January for the national championship. So let's enjoy this version. Um, and, uh, and and it should be a good one beyond that. Um, not a whole lot on Saturday Now You do have LSU at UCLA. That's one where, uh, you know, you, you got to imagine that the Rose bowl was absolutely going to be filled with LSU fans, but, uh, given the hurricane situation, down in New Orleans, uh, unclear on you know what travel availability is going to be like. So maybe not quite the home away from home that LSU was expecting in this one. This could be a good game. I mean UCLA looked really good last season. Um, again, I don't know if, if the the weather situation and obviously more important things than how it's impacting LSU football. But for the sake of this podcast, how is that impacting LSU football? You know, has their practice been disrupted? Anything like that? Just you got to imagine in a big game like this. You know, any any little things that you have to worry about um, could be, you know, theoretically something that 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 impacts your performance. I expect this one to be pretty close. Ultimately, I do think LSU will pull this one out. Um, I'm expecting um, Max Johnson, the quarterback. We saw a little bit. Last year, I'm expecting him to have a pretty good season. I've uh, I've got him on my uh, I've got him on my college fantasy team this year, so I'm counting on him to put up some big numbers. Um, you know, throwing throwing the ball all over the field. In particular, that guy uh, Booty, I think is how you uh, is how you pronounce his name, Keishon Booty. Might be Boot, but let's go with Booty. Um, so that should be a good game. I like LSU by about 10 points in that one. So ultimately, I do like them to cover, but again, it's just a little bit of a stay away for me, given uh, some of the, the travel potential concerns and, and who knows what's going on. Um, and, and the fact that UCLA got that game under their belt, I've, I've mentioned it a lot of times now, but I do think it's nice to be able to, to get one, get the jitters out and just play football in week two while the other team is maybe still finding itself. And then uh, Sunday and Monday we uh, we have games as well, just one game each night. Um, I'll talk about I'll, – I'll skip ahead to Monday first because I'll spend a little more talk- time talking about Sunday. But Monday we've got Louisville and Ole Miss. Not a lot to say here, although Danny Dimes certainly likes Ole Miss um, and Matt Corral, so it should be fun to sort of uh, watch the offenses go toe-to-toe in that game, not expecting a lot of defense. I'm seeing the over-under at 75-and-a-half. I actually kind of like that over. I could certainly see this being something like, you know, 52 to, to 41, um, something like that. So it would not surprise me to see that game get close to 90 if you want to lean. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, hey, Labor Day night, long weekend is over. You got work the next day. You just want to stay up until 1130 p.m. and root for points. That's the way to do it. I highly I, I highly recommend it as a fun, fun cap to the long week on the over in the Ole Miss-Louisville game. And on Sunday night, we got Notre Dame at Florida State. Uh, I'm getting getting some some hate from from some of the Notre Dame fans out there for suggesting that I was uh, going with Florida State in this one. Had a little more time to think about it. I'm still leaning Florida State as much as I hate to say it. You know, Mike Norvell took over this team last year. And I just I can't imagine how hard it was for a new coach to take over a program amid COVID, you know, trying to install your culture, trying to install your your, you know, on field um, systems and deal with everything else that was going on. just seems like a really difficult situation. So when, you know, I would expect teams to take a bigger jump in a a coach's second year anyway, but I expect that that's going to be even more magnified when this has been a much more normal year, uh, you know, contrasted to what uh, Coach Norvell had to deal with last season. I expect Jordan Travis to be the quarterback for Florida State. He can get out and run. Um, Unfortunately, um, Notre Dame's fastest linebacker, a a starter that was going to be a big-time player for them to help replace Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa on that linebacker level. He broke his ankle in the last week of camp and is out for the season. So he will not, he was going to be a big part of chasing Jordan Travis around, keeping him in the pocket and forcing him to beat the Irish with his arm. He will no longer be playing his replacement, solid player, but just certainly doesn't have the speed um, and, and kind of backfield havoc wreaking abilities. So I think Travis is going to have some success with his legs. And then, you know, you get Notre Dame's defense kind of focusing on his legs and that's where you can beat him over the top with his arm. Uh, I expect this to be a close game, but I just, I don't know. I think Notre Dame is kind of just due to drop a game against a team that they're better than. Um, this is going to be a tough environment, you know, a, a very new offensive line, bright lights in FSU, hostile environment. I just think that Notre Dame makes one or two too many mistakes. I think, uh, you know, I think Florida State gets uh, gets, gets some ground success and one or two big plays through the air after the ground success. And I just think that that's enough to get the win. So uh, I very much hope I'm wrong. I do think there's a version where Notre Dame blows the doors off Florida State. So <laughs> let's just hope that, uh, you know, in the third quarter on Sunday night, that's the version that we're getting um, because that version definitely exists. So if, if Notre Dame blows them out, it's not like that was an impossibility. Uh, but I just, the way things going, I see this as as like a, you know, 24, 21, just kind of a, a sloppy game. Some mistakes on Notre Dame side and Florida state does just enough to win the game. Um, but again, hope I'm wrong. Um, but with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Hope everyone enjoys the opening college football weekend and, uh, Yeah, that's all I got. Take it easy. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.